The tank for Trevor is still alive. The Jets blew a late 10-point lead to the Patriots to fall to 0-9 on this miserable season. We break down the good things we saw and the final result going the Jets fans' way. Speaking of Jets fans, we'll hear from a few Jets fans as they call into the show. And we'll also debut Jake's take. We'll chat with former NFL offensive lineman and one of the best analysts in the game. It's the NFL Network's Brian Baldinger. All that and more next on a happy, sad, and everything between edition of Gangs All Here from the New York Post. You play to win the game. Welcome back to Gangs All Here, everybody. Jake Brown and Brian Costello here. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio at Brian Cos. Brian Baldinger is going to join us later in the show. We'll have a "What kind of fan are you?" segment as a few Jets fans call into the show, and I'll bring Jake's take for the first time. But Cos, the Jets are in a weird little mix here, bag of emotions that fans are in because Monday night. They have a 10-point lead late in this football game. It looks like, you know, the Bill Belichick curse and Belichick losing maybe purposefully so the Jets lose out on Trevor Lawrence might happen. But in Jets fashion, cause they lose late. The fourth quarter, Joe Flacco kind of disappeared after looking like the 2012 Joe Flacco for most of the game where he was finding Perriman, his old receiver. He's finding Mims. He was finding a lot of guys, and the Jets' offense looked explosive, but they end up losing 30-27. And, you know, you've wrote many headlines with this, or someone wrote the headlines, you wrote the stories. They lose on a Nick Folk field goal. Uh, Rex Ryan would have loved that one, huh, Cass? Folk hero. That's what Rex always used to walk in and say after Folk had a game winner. You know, I think, Jake, it's kind of um, two separate stories. There's the fan story, which obviously I think there's a large segment of the fans who are looking at the big picture and, and want to see Trevor Lawrence here next year, want to see the Jets get the number one pick. But I think last night was great for them because – the, the team played pretty well and it was an entertaining game. It kept your interest. It hasn't been like most of the games this year where I think even the people rooting for Trevor Lawrence were kind of upset with the way the team played. They played well last night for three quarters and then the fourth quarter they, they didn't play so well. So that's one side of it. The other side of it is the players and the coaches, Jake, and you know, they're hurting. I wrote this this morning. This is a gut punch. You know I mean? I don't know. I don't know how they get, they bounce back from, from this one. I think they've done a very good job of, to keeping their focus, and I don't think they've quit. Uh, I don't think anyone could say that after watching last night. I, like at, even at zero and eight, they were playing hard, but to lose a game like that, I mean, that takes a lot out of the team. Now, I think they're fortunate they have the bye week to kind of regroup. But I'm curious what we see in the last seven weeks, and if at some point you kind of see this team just roll over and pack it in. Yeah, and that's the game. You know, you look at the schedule, and this is the game you kind of not have to win because you want to lose, but it's the game you see as a winnable game. Um, because this Patriots, let's be real, this Patriots defense is not the same. They've lost a lot of talent, and that's you know part of the reason the Jets offense had some success, and it was nice to see Perriman and Flacco connect, but here's the problem. You you see some life from this offense, but again, you see it with Joe Flacco, a guy who's not going to be part of the future. You didn't see this with Sam Darnold, and you could pull out the argument that he never had these top three receivers, and that's true. This is the first time, and it was nice to see those guys have success, but they did it with a guy that they're not going to see in 2021 and beyond, so that's what I think Jets fans are frustrated with is like why haven't they done this with Sam Darnold and it you know as the weeks go on you start to think yeah I think we have completely moved on 
from him at this point. I don't know if there's anything in seven games that if he does come back, you know, after their bye, which he probably will, uh, is there's anything that he can show you in seven games that makes you think, all right, we're back on the Sam Darnold train again. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see him with these guys, Jake. They made a difference last night. I mean, I know the Patriots aren't very good, but he just played some other teams that don't have good secondaries and weren't able to do this. I mean, Rashad Perriman's speed is real, and he was able to get behind the defense a few times and Flacco threw it to him. Uh, Crowder made a really, I mean, just amazing job catching that and what a beautiful pass by Flacco the touchdown but dragging his toe to stay in I think you saw some things from Denzel Mims I mean what impressed me first drive they throw to Denzel Mims and it's kind of like a simple slant skinny post type of route and he gets 26 yards out of it that's something that the Jets offense just hasn't had I mean that's an explosive play without throwing it 40 yards down the field like it wasn't a long throw but they get 26 yards so I'd like to see Sam with these guys see what they can do um you know and the offensive line Jake I thought did a pretty good job uh, now that you know Patriots defensive line is not good and so they, they weren't able to get much pressure but that was a key to the game until the end until they gave up a sack on that last possession so you'd like to see Sam with a shot Flacco had everything kind of right last night for him and, and I, I would like to see I don't know if he can change minds Jake at this point I think you're right I think most Jets fans have moved on but like I still don't know I, I still think they're probably going to go 0-16 but I don't think there's there's not, there's games that they can't win on the schedule. I think you know I'm not a hundred percent sold on the Dolphins. I, I know they've won pretty impressively on, on Sunday in Arizona, but let's say they they win a few games, Jake, and they walk in here on a winning streak like. The Jets could catch them. They could be overconfident. Uh, the Browns, I don't know about. The Raiders, I'm not sure about. And then they play these Patriots again in Week 17. And wouldn't that be delicious if they're 0 and 15 going to Foxborough? All, all you Jets fans are going to be screaming. Belichick's going to let us win on purpose. He's going to cost us Trevor Lawrence. He's going to do it again. Uh, the, the paranoia of that week would just be so much fun to watch. Yeah, and it's scary that, you know, you've brought that up in the past, and it's a realistic scenario, especially after seeing how well, for the most part, the Jets played against them. It's like, you know what, maybe that game does mean something. Because look at the Jaguars' schedule. The Jaguars are 1-7. They have the easier schedule. So due to strength of schedule, Right now, obviously that could change. That They have the easier schedule through now, Jake, but they actually have a more difficult schedule through the end of the year. Packers, so, Steelers, Browns, Vikings, Titans, Ravens, Bears, Colts, most of those playoff teams yeah. are going on. So the strength of schedule could flip at some point. Strength of schedule is very hard to project like because it's it involves every game in the league, basically. So we're only – we're a Sunday, I think, like Sunday midday before the four o'clock games was the halfway point of the season. It's hard to project what the strength of schedule is going to work out to be. So it could end up with where the Jaguars have a tougher strength of schedule than the Jets. And even if they're tied, the Jets get the pick. But as of right now, that's not the way it would go. Yeah, it's 554 to 591, the winning percentage. We'll see how that changes up. But yeah, I mean, that, that would be the worst, man. If it if it's uh, the Jets finish 1-15 and they win that last game, they lose on Trevor Lawrence because it's pretty obvious that the Jaguars are going to take him as well. I mean, the, Gardner Minshew has not been the answer at quarterback. I think people people fell in love with Gardner Minshew just because he had a mustache. And I'm like, can everyone calm down? Um, once the guy started throwing more often, he wasn't that good. It's like, cool. Like, There's a lot of people who have mustaches like that could probably play quarterback. So let's Let's uh, the Minshew uh, mustache became such a big storyline over him not being a great quarterback. So they're going to take uh, Lawrence if he's there. The Jets at this point, I think it's pretty obvious they would take him. Um, but, you know, the fourth quarter is scary what happened. And, like, it seemed like they wanted a tank because they ran four plays for three yards in the fourth quarter. They had the ball for 124. And, you know, you didn't think that this game cost was going to end in regulation because with one under two minutes left, the Patriots scored. And the Jets get it back. 
And then they go three and out. They give it right back to the Patriots, Kaz. And just like that, they get down the field. And then what's an interesting play is with three seconds left. Now, I don't know when they would have stopped the clock, but the Jets rushed to rush to uh, touch the guy who caught the ball there. Who who was that who caught it? Was it Myers? Jacoby Myers. Who else? <laughs> He just caught another pass, Jake. Yeah, and, and Chris Herndon actually thought the game was in Foxborough, so he's he still hasn't arrived yet at the stadium at MetLife. But he, he, he catches the ball, and then three defenders go to touch him. I'm like, wait, if you don't touch him, if he just laid there, would they have stopped the clock? Yeah, they would have stopped the clock because there's a point where you're giving yourself up if you just lay there, and there's no way those referees would have let the clock run out. Like, they would have gotten killed. They, they, they wouldn't have been able to go near the states of – Connecticut, Massachusetts, Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine the rest of their lives. Like, they, there's no way they would have done that. So they would have stopped the clock. I understand what you're saying. I thought about it. I'm like, should you just not touch him? But, you know, a player can give himself up, and that, that's what he would have done there. It was a sloppy game, Cos, but it was a very entertaining game. Like, it was like, who's inept more? And you saw the ineptitude come in the forefront, Cos. When on fourth down on a field goal attempt, the Jets had 12 guys in the field. You might see that once in an entire NFL season if that. And somehow the Jets pulled that off. The term that coaches love, Jake, is complimentary football. I'm sure you've heard that watching press conferences. And that means the offense helps the defense. The special teams helps the offensive defense. Whatever the reverse of complimentary football is, that's what the Jets played in the fourth quarter because the special teams had the 12 men, which ended up not hurting them. It actually helped the Jets because it took some time off the clock. Patriots ended up kicking a field goal anyway, but they get a few penalty there. The defense just can't get off the field. You know, third down penalty on Bless Austin is a killer. They're just giving up plays all over the place to Myers. And then the offense gets the ball with six minutes left. Just run the ball. Just chew up some clock there. They throw a bomb on the first play and he gets intercepted. And then they get the ball back with, you know, a minute and 50 left. And they go three and out for the first time all night. And Flacco so, on that pick, cause he had Griffin, I believe it was, wide open. It would have been a first down. And he really forced it into double coverage to Mims. It really didn't make a ton of sense for, you know, a veteran quarterback. You know, usually you're against, you're like, wow, the Jets are throwing down the field. But if there was ever a time for a check down option, it's there. That would have been an easy first down. Yeah, I mean... Uh, from talking to people about it last late last night and early this morning, that was the play. I mean, he was supposed to throw it there. He did what he was supposed to do, and he got he got intercepted. They by watching it, I think Mims kind of slowed down a little bit. Maybe he could have run more. Um, but I, I I understand Griffin was open, but I think Flacco made the right read on that play. It just it just obviously blew up on them with the interception. Before we hear from a couple fans, let's close on a positive note. And you know, you saw the one positive was the three receivers healthy. Second positive is Mims is really looking like a threat down the field, considering it's so early and really he's had no practice almost with Joe Flacco. And to see that kind of chemistry with a guy he's barely practiced with and a guy who's, you know, just got on the NFL scene a few weeks ago, that's been a positive and looking like it could be a good uh, Douglas draft pick. And then Ashton Davis, what a play on that uh, first and 20. He was called to catch. It was overturned. I love that he played through the entire play and really – uh, made an impact on that ball getting to the ground. And he had a couple of good signs last night. He had that hit 
on the quarterback that they called uh, the roughing the passer, and I don't really think it was. I think that was a bad call. So Ashton Davis and Denzel Mims have been too positive you saw from last night. Yeah, and the way they used Davis was interesting last night. They had him up by the line of scrimmage in the first half. He was almost, I wouldn't say spying Cam Newton, but he was there to stop the run if Cam ran it. He rushed Cam a few times. He obviously hit him that one time. I agree with you. I didn't think that was a penalty. I thought he hit him in the chest or the shoulder. I, 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 like, I didn't think it was head or neck, and I thought he – had his face up. He didn't lower his head. So I don't get that call really. But yeah, 10 rookies were dressed last night, Jake, which is incredible to have 10 rookies in uniform. Uh, and I thought you saw some good things. You know, obviously Becton is the concern now. How serious is his chest injury? But Mims, good things. Ashton Davis played much better than he did in Kansas City. So he showed some promise. And, and P. Ryan, he didn't, he, I think P. Ryan's carries and touches got screwed up by the fact that they only had 15 plays in the second half because they kind of like to go to him late. They like Gore early than him late, uh, but there was no plays. So, but he had, he had a, um, a third down pickup, Jake, at one point. I can't remember. I think it was the third quarter drive. And, and that's what you worry about. Like, everyone's like, why aren't they playing P. Ryan? Why are they playing P. Ryan? Rookies struggle in pass protection. But he did a great job on third down, so I think you saw that. That's going to earn some trust from the coaches. So yeah, that's you know that's what we're, that's what you're looking for these last seven weeks is, is you know what young guys can show that they're part of the future. And one guy who's not a rookie, Jake, but I thought really is coming on is uh, Foley Fatakasi. Had the fourth and one stop. He had a few other tackles. He looks like a good player, and he was drafted a year before in 2019. But I think they got something there, and that was part of the reason they moved on from Stephen McClendon is they wanted to get Foley on the field more. And try to say his name 10 times fast. Me and my friends try and put together tongue twisters, and that name is one. Uh, the one we did was Irish Wristwatch. Irish Wristwatch. Uh, it's very hard to say, so uh, we'll try <laughs> try and come up with more for the next show. Um, but, yeah, I think there were some positives to take away, and it's a weekly argument. We talk about this every week. I mean, I agree with you that P. Ryan is probably not as good as Gore in terms of pass protection, but we can't see him playing 46% of plays and Gore playing 50 uh, these last seven games. you got to see that more 70-30 towards P. Ryan. I'd love to see him get some more carries, so hopefully – these last seven weeks, which don't mean much, they'll have the they'll have the buy to you know regroup. I don't I don't know how much regrouping you could do here before they play the Chargers. Who you know talk about losing the Chargers, and we'll preview this game next Thursday. They're the Hollywood Chargers because they have a new script for every game. They find new ways to lose in magical fashion. This last one, they had a touchdown that they're celebrating, and then it gets overturned on the final play. Um, so the Chargers uh, have had some bad luck. The Jets and Chargers fans are drinking. I, I'd love to see a poll. They are drinking more alcohol than anyone in the league, I'd imagine, right now, if you're a Jets and Chargers fan. Coming up next, here on Gangs All Here, we'll talk with you, the fans, in What Kind of Fan Are You? All right, folks, we're debuting a new segment, What Kind of Fan Are You? Where we hear from the Jets fans themselves, Following Monday night's loss, we want your thoughts on the season, last night, the future of the team. We're going to give you 60 seconds to vent all your thoughts in 60 seconds. So come prepared. We're going to start off, what kind of fan are you, with Josh from Manhattan. Josh, your 60-second timer will start now. Thanks for taking my call, Jake. First things first, want to touch a little on the game last night. Obviously, that was it 
pretty big loss for the future of the Jets. Belichick had me a little worried there that he was going to sort of force us to win that game and keep us away from Trevor. Luckily, we have Adam Gates and Greg Williams who ensured that that would not be the case. So that was a big, big night for the franchise. Regarding the future, obviously, everything is about Trevor Lawrence, whatever we can do to get that number one pick. Joe Douglas has shown with Denzel Mims, Ashton Davis, both looked good last night. Uh, Makai Beckins looked very good when healthy thus far this year. So he's shown that he has some good draft acumen there. I have faith in him that he can uh, get us set up. And the time is up. There it is. Thank you for the call, Josh. And yes, have faith in Joe Douglas. Let's see what he has with all these draft picks coming up. And this is going to be the Joe Douglas offseason. He's got to spend all the money in his pocket. We know the story. The Jets had a ton of money left over. They didn't spend. Now's the offseason to go get it and, you know, spend wisely. You don't want to spend like Mike uh, McCacken, like a drunken sailor. Um, but you do want to spend right and spend wisely. So, Josh, thank you for the call. Doctor! We continue our what kind of fan are you segment as we go this time to Whitestone, the home of Cherry Valley Deli. It's Glenn from Whitestone calling in. Glenn, you have 60 seconds and your time starts now. All right, here it goes. I'm indifferent. Uh, in typical Jets fashion, I want to get the number one pick, but I don't want to go 0-16. I know we're pathetic, but I don't want to be 2008 Detroit Lions. I don't want to be down in the history books as one of the worst ever. But unfortunately, this is what we do. This is what we do as a franchise. So I am indifferent about the game. Coming down to it, I did want to see us beat the hated rival New England Patriots and the former HC of the NYJ. Uh, Bill Belichick. So uh, they, you know they'll find a way to hurt you, no matter no matter what. Let's just hope for one in fifteen, and hope to get that number one pick, and uh, hope Trevor Lawrence can get healthy and back on the field. So let's go Jets and the gang's all here. Thanks, fellas. All right, Glenn. So Glenn with mixed emotions on the Jets team, and Glenn, thank you for calling in. The gang's all here, Doctor. All right, for our finale of What Kind of Fan Are You? We head over the bridge into New Jersey. It's Drew from Hoboken. Drew, your 60-second clock on your thoughts on the Jets franchise right now starts now. Well, thank you, Jake. Um, I really got to say, if you thought the Jets, if you wanted the Jets to win last night, please go away. You're absolutely delusional. It would have been perfect if the Patriots somehow figured a way to give the Jets the game last night. You know, he's running a quarterback sneak on third and one with 10 seconds left to go. I was like, Belichick's going to do it again. But thank God, Nick Folk, the sleeper agent, got it done. And, you know, looking after the bye, uh, what game do you even think the Jets can win? I'm a little worried about the Chargers because they're the only team besides the Jets that can absolutely figure out a way to bungle a game. So, uh Good luck on the show, but uh, I really think the Jets are uh, you got Trevor Lawrence all written all over them. Thanks, Jake. It is not a face mask covering for COVID that me and Jets fans are wearing. It is a bag over our heads. Yeah, there's not a game on the schedule where we're going to predict the Jets the rest of the season. It was nice to take Dr. Cause's advice and, you know, have some alcohol on Sunday. The play calling was brutal. The offense was brutal. It's now time for our Gangs All Here host, Jake Brown, to let it rip as he sounds off on an important topic on his mind this week with Jake's Take. Monday night's game as a Jets fan was such a bizarre bag of mixed emotions. They had a big lead against the rival Patriots. Incredible, right? 
but this team was defeated and fighting for the number one pick. And on top of that, it was Joe Flacco at quarterback. He's not the answer at quarterback for the future of gangrene. But look, Jake, the top three receivers are out there. Crowder, Perriman, Mims. For the first time, they're playing, and they're playing well. But, Jake, they're not doing it with Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold is hurt. He's missing yet another game. And the future of the Jets quarterback's got to be the first pick in Trevor Lawrence. You got to lose this game. It was kind of like the direct TV commercial where I had the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other. It really didn't make sense for me. I had no idea how to react. Do I root for them to win? Do I root for them to lose? Oh, it's okay if they win one game, but is it okay? Because the team that they're fighting for that first pick with the Jaguars is a really bad team as well. I'm on life alert. I don't know as a Jets fan how to feel about this team, but in the end, I know this guys. Sam Darnold is not the answer at quarterback for the Jets. You saw Joe Flacco have success with guys that we haven't seen from Darnold all season. You saw it for about three quarters. You saw Flacco looking great, looking like the 2012 version of Joe Flacco, throwing great passes to Perriman, finding Mims, you know, doing things right and moving the ball on offense. And we've never seen that from Sam Darnold. And I'm sick of making excuses for him. You know, he doesn't have his top three receivers. He'd never had them. But these are NFL players he's still playing with. And he's consistently shown us that maybe he's not good enough. And Trevor Lawrence is the answer at quarterback for the Jets. And I think that has now been well established. And not that the Patriots defense is a bunch of world beaters. But if Joe Flacco at this age, at the back end of his career, can have success and Sam Darnold against any other team the Jets have played cannot, that tells you all you need to know. It's time to tank for Trevor, and I do think it's right. And usually I would hate this. I think a team should win, and maybe the Jets get one win. And you know what? It would be nice to not go 0-16. And I maybe I hope they go 1-15, but I'll say this. Keep losing. There's no fans to boo you. If there was ever a year to lose, it's right now where no one can boo you. They don't have piped in boos. You get the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets chant when you even get a first down and playing throughout the stadium. This is the time to lose because Adam Gase ain't coming back and you don't want any chance of salvaging him coming back where you go, you know, you win six of your last seven and they say, oh, look what Adam Gase did in the second half. He could be great. No, you want Gase failing. You want Darnold struggling. You want to move on. You want to start fresh. You want to get rid of everyone. You want Joe Douglas to try and put this thing together and build it right. And that starts with the franchise quarterback. And Trevor Lawrence is going to be your franchise quarterback. So guess what? Lose away. Keep losing. Whether it's 1-15 or 0-16, it's time to tank for Trevor, Jets fans. Now's the time. In the polar opposite words of Al Davis, just lose, baby. Joining us next is an offensive lineman that played 12 seasons in the NFL from 1982 through 1993. He played for the Cowboys, Colts, and Eagles. He's now an analyst at Fox Sports and the NFL Network. You catch him on NFL Total Access. He's a tremendous follow on Twitter at BaldyNFL, where he breaks down game tape like no other with 
Baldy's breakdowns. On this show, when we talk Baldy, we're talking about me and Kaz not having hair Baldy, but this is his name, Baldy. Uh, so it's good to welcome on the show Brian Baldinger. Uh, Brian, welcome to Gangs All Here. Jake Brown, Brian Costello. How are you, man? I'm doing good, guys. It's good to be with you, man. Always uh, you know, a fun morning talking some football with guys that follow it like you guys do. Yeah, you are at the NFL Films location now. I mean, NFL Films music, Baldy, is just incredible. Do you, like, wake up and listen to that to get pumped before you get on the air? <laughs> uh, I, I don't, Brian, but I do I do love it. I think I have, you know, back when we used to own CDs, I, I do have a couple CDs of NFL Films music. Dun, 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 dun. I mean, I could go through the, the, the songs in my head that we all know. And, um, you know, it was just, uh, I mean, it's a special place here in Mount Laurel, New Jersey. I mean, what Ed and Steve Sable built here, you know, it, it does make it fun to come to work every day, but I, I don't really need the music to get myself too pumped up. Well, the, uh, unfortunately, I was hoping we'd have a lot of Mekhi Becton to break down today after last night, but he exited the game pretty early with a chest injury. You've dubbed him Highway 77 on Twitter and shown a lot of his blocks. What's impressed you the most about Becton this season, uh, watching him? Well, I mean, just uh, how easy he's made the transition and why he has such a high upside. Now, the injuries are a concern, Brian. I mean, shoulder injury and now some kind of chest injury. I couldn't tell what happened last night. Looked like he had a good block when Frank Gore cut right behind him for 20 yards. That's a concern. But, you know, just how he's able, a man that size, able to move really so so uh, effortlessly in every way that you have to be able to move, whether it's sliding, whether it's cutting off on the backside, whether it's getting up to the second level. I mean, his movement is elite. And forget about the size. The, the, move you, the movement would be elite for anybody. But when you have that type of size and then you combine it with power, I mean, it's just physics. I mean, force equals mass times acceleration. He has all of that. You know, and then I think he likes to play. I mean, he's a, you know, we all have met him. I mean, he's a big, happy kid. But, you know, when he's on a football field, he's all about business. And it's been fun without any training camp and no offseason to see him go up against Jerry Hughes and Nick Bosa before he got hurt and some other elite players and just be able to hold his own against all of them. Any worries, Baldy, with the early injuries with him, or is that just uh, part of the game? Obviously, he's missed some time here in the first half of the season and going to the second half with you know, shoulder injury, now the chest. Is, does that concern you at all? Yes, yes. I mean, I want, I want my guys – you know, to be able to line up and play every ga- every down. If it was, you know, I mean, these are weird injuries to me, you know, for a guy that size, you know, whatever happened to the shoulder happened. I mean, you can see he was in pain against Denver um, when he came back in there. But, you know, last night, I, I couldn't tell what happened to him. And next thing you know, he's out of the game. And, um, you know, he didn't see anything. So, yes, all those things are concerning time. Players are missing time, missing games, coming out of games. It, it's a huge uh, alarm bell for me. Yeah, I mean, Baldy, the the guy I keep thinking about is DeBrickishaw Ferguson because that's who I kind of, you know, yeah, I, grew up in this, this, exactly. I grew up in this business watching. And DeBrickishaw, the amazing thing about DeBrickishaw is he never appeared on the injury report once for 10 years. Not Never mind. 10 years, not, I mean, I mean it's, it, it's, it's just remarkable. I mean, he never missed a game. I didn't know about never being on the injury report. Yeah, I mean, I've watched a lot of DeBrick and I know him and, you know, at a free port there, but I, I, I just never remember even seeing, like, to your point, I never remember seeing them, like, special tape jobs, you know, busted thumb, you know, here's this wrap, here's this brace, you know, knee braces. I, I never remember seeing, he looked the same 
10 years, you know, after he played than he did coming out of Virginia. Yeah. So, like, Jake, the way the injury report works, like, even if you're practicing fully, if you're in the trainer's room getting a little ultrasound or, like, getting something done to you, you're on the injury report. Like, that, that they have to put you on the injury report. He never was on the injury report. And, like, he never missed a – he missed one snap in his entire career, and that was a trick play at the end of the game in 2018 against the Dolphins. Mangini put all receivers and skill people on the field at once to do a, you know, a Stanford band play. So, yeah, I mean, the Beckton stuff – Sam Mangini. You know, it's just a great opportunity to rip Mangini again just once. You know. <laughs> you ruin that guy's perfect – how could you blemish that man's record like that? They didn't do that yeah. in Cleveland to Joe Thomas, Brian. Come on. <laughs> Baldy, I'm curious what you're seeing from the rest of this offensive line because, I mean, I must have wrote it 100 times this offseason of that was the focus. They were going to rebuild the offensive line, and they brought in, uh, you know, three new guys plus Becton in the draft, but three guys in free agency. I thought they played pretty well last night, but it hasn't been like that all season. What what did you what are you seeing from this offensive line right now? They did play well last night, you know, against uh, a defense that kind of prides itself in being able to slow down the run. They, they haven't played well this year, but I thought they played well last night. But but there's just too many breakdowns. To be honest with you, Brian. I, I understand you don't know all season, but I don't see the, the breakdowns. Like I see a Giants offensive line that has drastically improved, and they're playing three rookies up, up there right now at times. You know, when Parrott gets in the lineup at right tackle or left tackle. And I see a line that's really improved and making fewer and fewer mistakes. And the techniques and the fundamentals that are necessary in order to make plays successful, I see that happening there. And I just don't see the same development from these Jets. Now, I know guys have been in that lineup. I know, you know, Alex Lewis has been out of the lineup. And, you know, Fant has had to kind of move around a little bit. But I thought I would see a better performance overall from this group right now than they have. And it just seems like when one guy breaks down, whether it's McGovern or Van Roten or whatever, it seems like the whole play breaks down. And, you know, I can see in other places when a group is really gelling together, the way you know that they are and they're playing well is a guy can break down and you don't even notice it. And, and when the Jets break down, whether it's missed assignment or improper technique or whatever, it seems like the whole play breaks down. And that's a bad sign nine weeks into the season. Baldy, where are you at quarterback? Obviously, Jets fans, you know, they ended up it's essentially a win for them, win for us last night, losing that game and still being number one for Trevor Lawrence. Do you think that is a lock that you, tra- that you draft Trevor Lawrence if he's there? Or uh, are you still riding with Sam Darnold? Well, you know, I don't want to be the guy that gives up on Sam. I mean, training camp is important, and he's out there in training camp, and not one receiver, you're out there, Brian, every day. I mean, not one receiver practice. I mean, Rashard for a little bit, Jameson for a little bit. But for the most part, I mean, the guys are out. And you're just not going to get better if you're not practicing. And so, you know, and then, you know, Sam has had these injuries now. He's had the, the sickness, and he's missed games. And so we're talking about, the Brick and Sean Ferguson lining up for 10 years. I mean, I want my quarterback out there. You know, and I know sometimes, like, Matt Stafford was kind of injured the first two years of his career, and then he just went on this crazy streak of not missing any games. And that can happen. But, you know, if there's a coaching change, you know, and if Joe Douglas is allowed, I mean, I'm not, you know, I don't have any information here. I don't know what's going to happen. But it just seems like they got a chance, if they do kind of make the change at coach, that you would just start fresh if you have the opportunity to get Trevor Lawrence or, you know, Fields, you know, I mean, because I think it's going to be pretty close between the two of them. But if you have a chance to get one of these guys right now and you combine them with the coach, just like Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, I mean, just most recently, or Jared Goff and, you know, what Sean McVay is doing, it just seems like that's a pretty good starting place uh, right there. If you 
got the head coach, you bring in the new quarterback, and you kind of build it together. You basically have five years to win because once that quarterback gets on a second contract, I mean, your whole team is really going to suffer after that. And so all these teams that have won, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, they all won these Super Bowls in that first contract. And you have to look at that part, too, that Sam would be going in to his fourth year now. If you make a change at coach, you got to change the system and players and all that. Now you're four years in, you're looking at a second contract. So to me, it would just make most sense to just rip it up and start fresh with a coach and a quarterback if you get that opportunity. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right, Baldy. Uh, I think, you know, a fresh start would do this franchise some good. Um, curious along those lines. Now, obviously, Adam Gay still has a job right now, but we expect the change to be made, if, if not sooner after the season, for sure. Um, are there coaches out there, Baldy, that that catch your eye when you're breaking down film that you really like what they're doing? I mean, let's, let's stay offensively because – uh, that's kind of a trend in the league is the offensive head coaches. What what coaches out there have caught your eye? What assistance? Well, I mean, you have to be impressed by what Joe Brady is doing, you know, in, in uh, Carolina right now. And, you know, what he did with Joe Burrow, I mean, Joe Burrow is the real deal, the real deal. And what he did with him at LSU, and now what he's doing with Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater's never played this well. And Robbie Anderson is the number one wide receiver. And what he's doing with that offense, I mean, they had – Kansas City on the brink. They have everybody on the brink every week. And they're a good offense. And they did a lot of it without Christian McCaffrey, without a starting left tackle. I mean, I, I wouldn't – Joe Brady is – I don't know, Brian, you might know better. I mean, he might be 30 or 31 years old. I mean, that looks good. You could go to Kansas City, and I don't know how much of – I know Andy Reid, and I know how Andy tinkers. So that's the question mark about what you have there in Kansas City and the coach there that everybody wants to get a job, but I really don't know how much he does. And I might be completely, you know, in the dark about how important and instrumental he is, but I also know Andy and how much he, how much input he has on a week to week basis. So, I mean, those are two guys right away that I would be very, very, you know, I mean, I'd love to get my hands on him and have a chance to talk to him and interview him. What if uh, James Joseph Harbaugh becomes uh, available, Baldy? Uh, any interest in Jim Harbaugh? I mean, you have to be impressed by what he did in San Francisco. I, I don't care what's happened in college. I know he did a great job at Stanford, but you have to be impressed by what he did with Colin Kaepernick, what he did in at San Francisco, and how he built toughness within that team because they were a really tough team. And then you know, the staff that he hired was really, really good. I mean, obviously, the offense coordinator in Baltimore who was with him there in San Francisco, and they built that offense around Colin, just the way they're doing it with Lamar right now. And so, you know, can he can he put a staff together, you know, that could really play to the strengths of his team and, his, and, and the type of team that he wants? Can he do that again? I would certainly entertain that. That interest if Michigan was to let him go. Baldy, one of the guys you highlighted on Twitter this morning uh, was Denzel Mims. Obviously, now in his this is his third game. I think what um, what stood out to you watching Mims play? Well, you know, he just his um, elite suddenness and burst, and I mean, he looks like an NFL wide receiver. Uh, he was well coached at Baylor. Matt Rule got him for two years down there. I mean, Matt will swear by him, and I like what. When Matt gives me a recommendation on a guy, I don't really go for a second opinion. I mean, he was very, very tough. He played through a wrist injury, came back, played another year when he didn't have to. I think he, I think he runs precision routes. I think the game's important to him. I mean, it's really unfortunate. I mean, I, I don't really understand how 
the hamstring injury happens in a walkthrough, what he did. So I don't want to get into that. But I think he has a chance to be a, a real number one type wide receiver, uh, to run every route, inside, outside. And I think he has the ability to finish, you know, after the catch. And so I'd be excited, you know, to, to have him on my roster and to be able to do something with him going forward because the speed is real. I mean, he plays fast. Not only time does he time fast, and he's got good size and he's got good hands. Paul, the overall in the Jets, where are you? I think fans are, you know, it's such a mixed bag of emotions with how bad they are, but having all the draft picks and the potential of a new coach, potential of a new quarterback. Is it doom, you know, doom or gloom for this team right now, or do you see enough positives where this thing could uh, turn around in, over the offseason and maybe in a year or two the Jets could maybe be a playoff team for the first time in a decade? Well, I mean, look, if you, if you compare the Jets right now to what the Dolphins were a year ago with Brian Flores. I mean, they started off 0-7, and they look like one of the worst teams to ever take the, an NFL field. I mean, I think the Ravens put up 50 on them in the first game of the season last year. But really, from that 0-7 start, and now, you know, they're 8-5 over the last 13 games, I, I haven't seen a team improve more. So, you know, and they did it with accumulating a lot of assets, and a lot of those assets are playing. They got two rookies starting on the offensive line, and when Austin Jackson – gets healthy, they might have three off. They might have three. The way that they're doing it is the right way. Uh, they've got a really good system in place defensively. Uh, they're playing really well defensively. They built the team up around the quarterback to the point where they could remove Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was playing great football, and put a rookie in there because they thought the team around him was really good. And if you use that as just a blueprint and you get a good coach in there, I mean, you can see a turnaround happen within a year. If you do things right. And I trust Joe Douglas to be able to draft well and use those assets, you know, accordingly. So, and you know, if you look at, at Mims and Perriman and, and Crowder and, you know, what Austin Davis looks like and, you know, some other guys, I mean, they need pass rushers and, you know, they, they need more linemen and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but you can see there's enough there with the assets they have with the right coach and system. I think they can turn it around fast. Well, Jets fans will be happy to hear that, Baldy. You know, you, you're you born in Pittsburgh. Uh, you're a Jersey guy, but you went to high school in Massapequa. Are you Team All-American Burger? Are you Team Primanti Brothers? Do you prefer one or the other? Oh, no, it's All-American all the time. I mean, <laughs> I think they close on Christmas, which is a bummer because you feel like you need a cheeseburger in the middle of a Christmas day, you know, like just you know, soak up some of the, you know, the eggnog and, some of the celebrations that's been going on. No, I'm 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 an all American burger guy. So I'm American Road, uh, true and true. Even in the height of the pandemic, you you know you could still get a good burger there. Like, do you consider yourself a Long Island guy or are you Jersey guy? Because you know you're kind of I guess a hero at Massapequa High School. So I imagine you have some pride in those Long Island roots back then. Well, you know, once once you're a New Yorker, you're always a New Yorker. You know, I'm I'm proud that I was born in Pittsburgh. My mom and dad are both from Pittsburgh and. I know how important football is to anybody from that city. So I, I grew up cheering for the Steelers and all that. But I think once you move to New York and you become a New Yorker, like you never take it out of you. And my friends that I grew up with, they're in New York. I mean, they're, they're crazy. They're truly crazy people. They define New York. And they never have a slow day. It's never just a relaxing, slow day. They're always wound up. And that's what I am. And that's all my, all my friends are. When I go back for Thanksgiving this year, like, I go out there and I watch all these, like, slugs try to play some football on a high school football field in the morning. And, you know, the stories just never stop. And so it doesn't matter what the subject is. So 
I don't know. Like I, I've got that inside of me, and I think I got that in New York. I feel that a hundred percent. You know, I uh, you know, people leave New York, and you know, people are like, "I'm gonna go somewhere else." I'm like, I can't. I love, I love the hustle and bustle and the never stopping. Well, you know, the thing is, Jake. Even if you go somewhere else, all you do is gravitate to other New Yorkers. You know, like <laughs> I, I got a place in Fort Lauderdale. I, I hang out with New Yorkers down there. You know, I'm not interested in you know in somebody that grew up in Florida. Like, them. we're not gonna have like that much in common. Like. I'm not going to sit around and watch sunsets at night. So, you know, it's just, that's what I gravitate towards. I, I feel you, Baldy. You know, I miss the pre-COVID. Every night I was doing either a charity event, a Met game, a Broadway show, a movie, uh, you know, out with friends. There's always something to do every night. So, you know, New Yorkers are one. And, uh, you know, we love you here in New York and New Jersey, Baldy. You can follow him on Twitter at BaldyNFL. Catch him on the NFL Network, breaking it all down. Uh, Brian Baldinger, appreciate the time on Gangs All Here, man. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you now. Thanks for having me. Iconic. That will say goodnight, sweet prince, to episode 49, the Tony Richardson edition of Gangs All Here, our Jets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Alex Camerata for helping me out in producing the show. Please go on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, and write in a nice review. We appreciate your support as we drop two episodes a week all season long. For Brian Costello, I'm Jake Brown. We'll be back next Thursday previewing Jets, Chargers. Enjoy the bye week, folks. They can't lose. Stay safe.